WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lazowitz. And uh, this week we're joined by two guests, one new and one returning. Uh, together they are the creative team on Oni Press's upcoming series, The Vein. Uh, it's Elliot Rahal and Emily Pearson. Welcome, welcome. Hi. Hello. <laughs> um, Emily, since you're a, a first timer, I'll ask you the icebreaker question. Um, what, what do you remember reading when you first got into comics? Oh, man. Um, I read a lot of like Bat Family stuff, like Nightwing and Batman and Batgirl and stuff like that. I remember like I was a teenager and I was kind of getting into it for the first time. So it was kind of a good age range to <laughs> to read, uh, you know, the, the Batgirls and the Supergirls and all that. So who was your Batgirl? Oh, man. Uh, Stephanie Brown. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I think the run with uh, Brian Q. Miller was like one of my favorite like series. It's a great run. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, so we're here to talk about uh, your new five-issue series, The Bane, uh, at Oni with, uh, I believe it's Colorist Fred Streising and then Crank on Letters. Um, I'll go ahead and read the, the, the solicit text for the listeners. Uh, Chicago, 1941. Uh, blood bank is held up in a robbery, but no cash is taken, only blood. It's the latest in a string of similar crimes, and FBI agent Felix Franklin is certain it's part of a wider plot. But the truth is much more sinister than he could imagine. The four robbers who call themselves the Bane are vampires, immortal, physically powerful, and after decades of honing their skills, practically untraceable. But in a world that is rapidly changing, stealing blood is harder every day, and with each decade that passes, Agent Franklin inches closer to the truth. So uh, what is, what's the origin uh, stories for this uh, series? Who approached who about working with who on what? <laughs> you know, um, Emily initially approached me and was like, and this is many, this is, um, uh, I think almost two years ago at this point, time very difficult right now. Sure and, <laughs> um, and Emily um, was like, I, I would, uh, she, she was very kind and she was like, I would like to work with you. Um, and I, uh, I didn't have anything. Uh, and so I would, I thought of something to do with her specifically because honestly, I, you know, Emily was, um, right off the book with, uh, Vita Ayala, um, uh, the, the wild. wild and, um, you know, it just would have been, it's just, you know, when opportunity comes your way, I would have been foolish uh, to not try and, and, and think of something uh, for her that she might like to do. Um, and, you know, so I just said, give me a bit. And at that moment, I was really into popsicles. Um, and so I was eating a popsicle and it was like the old age old joke of, uh, you know, how, how many, uh, how, what what kind of bank does a vampire use? And it's like a blood bank. And then I and I got like really mad because um, I got really mad that I wasn't writing popsicles for a living. Uh, and <laughs> and then I I kind of like was kind of playing around with the idea, and I kept playing around with it, you know. And it felt right, and it felt good. And uh, I, I came up with like the, a really like just kind of simple concept in that. I emailed uh, Emily about it, and, and she was gracious enough to do some character designs. And then 
you know, I pitched it at Oni Press, and like, and and that was that was that was pretty much how it went. Like, it it's been uh, a methodical process working with Oni, but like, honestly, this was um, such an easy pitch process, more easier than I'm used to having, if I'm being honest, which was nice. Man, I, I had no idea that the vein came from a popsicle. Like, you've never told me that before. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I just break the fourth wall? Am I not supposed to talk about that? <laughs> the popsicle? Well, I had no idea. So, I mean, it's really but, up to you. I mean, it, it's not to cheapen it. I was just like, you know, all things start with a dumb joke, you know, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and then you kind of take it seriously, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, now, here's the real question, though. What flavor popsicle was it? I cannot recall this. I cannot answer this question. <laughs> I feel like cherry would be the most. Whatever, <laughs> whatever flavor my wife didn't want. <laughs> if it was my house, that would be grape. Yeah, I think probably similar. Um, but uh, Emily, what uh, drew you in wanting to work with Elliot? Well, I think... Um... Ellie and I actually got paired for the vault anthology. It was a cult classic theme, mm. right? Yeah, oh, so yeah. That, was right. Whole, that was like my first time like doing comics ever. And I think it was really fun. Really? That with, yeah, that, that was like- I didn't know <laughs> that was, I mean, I did like comics, but like I, I, that was like my first time like working with a writer and a publisher in that sort of setting, so. Um, I think I had like a really good time working with Elliot and then we just, I was like, okay, well, we should try to do something else if you have time. And yeah, I think, I think it was just really interesting. We had a, a call about the vein and like the, the story beats and just, he kind of broke down the story for me in a way that was like, I don't know, very appealing for me. Um, just a very, just a very fun teen vampire story which you know is always very appealing to to someone like me (laughs) awesome um what made this uh an an oni book uh you know elliot obviously you know you've you've worked at a few publishers now you know what was it about you know oni they were like okay this is where this book goes um, you know, I can't answer that question for them, but I can, I can surmise an answer. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think it falls in a similar space with, you know, only like does poppy books that have dark edges to them. Um, you know, and, and I think it falls in a similar space of heartthrob, uh, which I think is, is great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, although it's about monsters, you know, Kaiju Max is a very, uh, very, very like darkly laced humor book, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, I think it fits within that stuff, but honestly, like, uh, I, I I talked to it um, James Lucas Jones at Seattle Comic Con and 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 then Desiree Wilson uh, and and they and 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 Desiree really took a uh, active interest in the book um, and they uh, 
you know, I, they were a huge champion for it. And so, um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, James is so hard to read. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been bothering that man since I was 23. Uh, and so, um, he just, he was very gracious about me just like kind of barf pitching him, uh, the entire thing, uh, on the floor. And, and like, he was like very, nonplussed about it and then I was like well I just made a total fool out of myself but what what's what's new you know and like um you know so I think uh, it's a combination of um I think it it was fitting within the line that they had been putting out for the past probably five to seven years I mean I know that Oni does um fewer traditional direct market single issue comics these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then, and, and a combination of the people in, in, and them investing in us. I, I, you know, I'm not sure if it's the best answer. Yeah, also, yeah. Emily's art, Emily's art's just great. Like, can we talk about that? Emily, can absolutely talk Emily's about art. that. <laughs> Emily's, Emily's art, I forgot that third component, you know, which is, uh, Emily's art. And, uh, I think Emily's art, um, there's something about it that is um, very modern and I think uh, caters to a certain sort of like sentimental and gentle palette. And then she put a lot of blood and guts in it, which is fun too. <laughs> oh yeah. There's one panel that's like, that is one of the most lovingly rendered gory ex- explosion-y moments that I've seen, and I read a lot of horror comics. I don't want to give it away for anyone who who hasn't read it, because, well, none of you have read it, just those of us lucky enough to see a preview copy, but it was like, wow, that's phenomenal. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you, re- I know exactly what you're talking about, so I'm, I'm glad you reacted that way, you know. Um, the goal of this book was like, you know, to do something, you know, you know, it's it's uh, Bruce Springsteen is a is a huge reference for me, you know, always, and so it's like, you know, so doing something wild and innocent, you know, and like, uh, and so I, I wanted to, I don't know, I just wanted to have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, that definitely comes through. Uh, I saw that it made the New York Times list of uh, ten books to read this fall. That's got to feel good, right? Yeah, that was, yeah. That was awesome. it was pretty cool. New York City's number one local newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But so yeah, so the story moves through uh, history, but starts on the cusp of U.S. entry into World War II. Um, what is it about other bad guys professing a desire to kill Nazis that is so satisfying? I was thinking about this today. <laughs> Like, like in the Rocketeer, when the mobsters have that line, right. and I'm, I'm going to butcher it because I- I'm an American. I'm, I'm, I might be a crook, but I'm an American too or whatever. Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Joker has almost the same line in a, the Batman-Captain America crossover that John Byrne did when it turns out the Red Skull is the one that has been employing him. He's like, even, and even the Joker won't work with Nazis and he's the friggin' Joker. Right, right. Um, I mean, and I think there's a, a really good philosophical argument to why the Joker wouldn't like Nazis, because the Joker's whole thing is like, what, 
like uh, nihilistic freedom, right? You know, and and, and like the, the the Nazis are the complete opposite of nihilistic freedom. Um, but honest, uh, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of like uh, you know philosophy you can get into, but on a on a storytelling note, I have an answer, which is um, they need to kill somebody, right? And I don't want them, I want their arc of evil to occur over five issues. Um, and and if, if they're killing, you know, it's just, I don't want to say Nazis aren't people, but like, I would, I would, I would dare to maybe suggest that. Um, but like, it, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, this is a villain that's, these are people that are okay to like kill in fiction. You know what I mean? Like good riddance yeah. to you. Like, <laughs> you know? And so you need to have that element like, and, and like, you know, it always helps when you have a villain who's worse than you. Right. And like, you know, um, and I, I, I kind of, and Nazis aren't in the entire book. They're really only in issue two specifically. They're mentioned in issue one. And, but like, you know, we get around that in other ways, but it's just like, you know, if they, if the, if the vein were killing innocents up top, then at no point would you ever really root for them. Right. Like, um, uh, you need to have villains that ethically you're okay with seeing die these very terrible deaths. Cool. I think. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, yeah. Um, over the, in the course of issue one, Felix meets uh, a fellow FBI employee, Wanda, and they start a relationship. And they're an interracial couple in the 1940s, which was not something that was the most accepted thing. And then two of our vampire protagonists are not just an interracial couple, but they're an interracial queer couple. So you, I could imagine the characters in the backgrounds with their heads exploding seeing that. Um, other than the importance of representation, which is very important, is there something in the story that's going to be dealing with the parallels between these two couples and their love that is not necessarily what society looks on favorably, at least in these, some of these time periods. Um, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, you know, so thinking about the idea of the vein, right? And it's like, what's the book about for super hot vampires, right? And it's like, you know, it would be um, a betrayal to the genre to not include uh, diverse characters in both like, you know, their relationships and in with how they, you know, appear. So, um, but I also, let's like recognize here that I am, uh, I am a very straight man. Um, and so like in telling this, you know, I wanted to make reference to it and, and, and I think I do, you know, especially in the first issue, I think there's a scene there and like, you know, but like, I, my goal was not to tell that story, but to tell the, um, 
the truth of the reactions of people, right? And like, and to be respectful. Um, and, and that was always my priority. And, and, and again, the, the editorial uh, at, at um, Oni Press really um, assisted me with that, uh, Desiree and, and Robin uh, and Jasmine as well. Um, and then in regards to Wanda, I have two answers to that. One, I had initially not had any character, like, you know, description for Wanda. It was Emily's choice to make uh, that woman a black woman. And, and I think it works really beautifully because the point of Felix's character is that he's not the bad guy, right? And, and it's also the point of Felix's character is that he wants, he, even when he's at the very beginning of the book in his most um, non-erratic form, um, he's, uh, he walks a different way, right? He's a strange, not strange, obviously, but for the time, you know, that would have raised eyebrows, right? Like, and so, like, um, I think... Um, that definitely plays, but the whole the whole book is about relationships, and the whole book is about power dynamics and obsession. And uh, I think obsession is it's it's about obsession. I think for Felix specifically, yeah. Emily. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It's actually, I think, it's interesting with Wanda because I I think, you know. She was one of the most fun characters to draw, even though she was just like a kind of minor background character. But um, I think like our colorist Fred actually added a lot of diversity to, you know, a lot of different the characters that I just, you know, didn't even really think about. Um, so it's just I think going to the relationships of the story is is really interesting, seeing how what Elian and I have had in mind and how it kind of unfolded and, you know, like, especially I really love uh, the relationships between uh, Lost and Orphan and it's just the, the two of them together. I think talking about like how the world reacts to seeing them, it, it kind of changes with the time period too, which I think will be really interesting to see because, you know, you go from the 1940s all the way up to like modern times and their relationship and the way we perceive you know like uh like a woman loving woman couple is just it changes over time and so their relationship kind of reflects that right and i, I apologize for not giving all power yeah. to fred stressing too fred has done an incredible job also uh you know, adding to these characters, and he's had a lot of fun. So thank you, Emily, for bringing that up, too. Yeah, he's done an amazing job. Um, we're talking about a book that moves through time. Let, let's talk about fashion. Um, you know, uh, Emily, you, we, we opened this series, you're drawing a gang of blood bank robbing vampires in, in 1940s America. Uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know what other specific periods you're, you're, you're kind of uh, homing in on. I'm not necessarily looking for spoilers at all, but you know, what were some of the, you know, what were some of your fashion references uh, going into this? Oh my God. I, I had, I think the fashion was like one of the most fun parts I had about drawing that book. I love it. <laughs> I think it's so fucking cool. Sorry. 
<laughs> no, it's 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 really cool because it's like the characters. I mean, you can draw like fashion from different time periods, but these characters are so like flamboyant and eccentric, and they just they love you know they love their clothes and they love looking really like fancy and badass. So it's just I got I had a lot of fun like trying to push you know like I not only got to draw different clothes from different time periods but I got to draw like really expensive clothes from those time periods so um yeah that was really fun I think a lot of there's a lot of just research from you know Google and Pinterest and stuff like that um I think before we started the comic Elliot was interested in doing showing the characters but with um different outfits from different time periods which was actually really helpful to kind of get a sense of you know how the comic would look over time so yeah i think that was definitely one of the most fun parts i had about drawing the book uh just curious felix franklin that the alliterative name was that sort of a nod to all the wonderful alliteratively named comic book protagonists or was it just that's the name that you came up with because lord knows that anytime i was ever tried to write fiction names were always a bloody nightmare for me <laughs> right um yes and not just comic books but also like noir uh specifically sam spade, sam spade you know yeah. uh, you know, uh, the, the, the book is noir, you know, uh, it's a mystery for, and it's a, it's, it's a horror story for one character and it's, uh, just like kind of blase life for the other characters. And, and like, also like, you know, I love alliteration, you know, I mean, you know, it's fun. It's fun. Uh, as a uh, person who writes headlines for a living, yes, can concur. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so while this, this tale of vampire, uh, this gang of vampires is going on, uh, you know, at the same time, or uh, roughly, you know, you've also got uh, over at Vault, you've got your future set ninja vampire story going on over at Bleed Them Dry. Uh, between these two, yeah, uh, I'm becoming convinced that vampires are at their best when they're mashed up with other stuff. So, you know, vampire high school football players, vampire prog rock bass guitarists, vampire breakfast cereal mascots, that one's taken. Um, but, <laughs> you know, for, for both of you, you know, who are, you know, what are some of your favorite uh, pre-existing vampires in media? Uh, for me, um, uh, Buffy, you know, straight up everything. I love Buffy. Uh, I know she's not a vampire, but you know what I mean? Um, and then... Uh, you know, comics-wise, I mean, uh, Cassidy from Preacher was my first vampire in comics. Uh, mm -hmm. I think when I was like sixteen or seventeen, uh, and you know, uh, Morbius is tight as hell. Uh, I never know if I say his name correctly. Morbius, Morbius, whatever. Uh, and then, um, you know, I am. Don't judge me. I am re-watching Bram Stoker's Dracula, like, for the fifth time, uh, for some reason. Uh, I find that movie very comforting. I don't know I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, but, like, you know, The Lost Boys, 
certainly. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, from Dust Till Dawn to, uh, I think is a lot of fun. Um, stuff like that, uh, definitely. Uh, and, you know, hey, Twilight is, is a thing in my life. You know, I'm not going to say it wasn't. I'm not going to say I like it. I'm not going to say I don't like it. So, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? Movies made money for a reason. They made five of them, right? Five? I feel like it was five. Uh, yeah, four books, five movies. Yeah, okay, that sounds right. Cool. Right, right. <laughs> Emily, how about you? Yeah, like a lot of the same. Like, I think there's a lot of, especially like with the vein and stuff, I feel like there's a lot of influence from like Buffy and stuff like that. Um, mm. I think, oh, I really, I really like stuff like, like a Blade and stuff like that, but I'm not sure mm. if it, relates as much to the like our teenage heartthrob story mm-hmm. but yeah a lot of the same stuff Blade uh, hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the same stuff elliot already mentioned is just like oh the fun like over the top stuff like i like i like van helsing a lot and stuff like that like the whole cheesy yeah van helsing is criminally underrated yeah <laughs> are, are we talking about the hugh jackman movie uh, for me, yes. <laughs> yes, also for me. That's my go-to cheesy Halloween movie. <laughs> what makes, in your opinion, horror and crime noir blend so well? I mean, there's some horror blends well with a lot of different other genres, as Dan said, with vampires mashing up really well. But there are a lot of really great horror crime mashups. I mean, there's a few. I mean, you've said, I mean, Oni is doing a few of them uh, with Cullen Bunn and Brian Hurt's The Damned. And there's uh, Moonshine from Azzarello and Rizzo out of Image. Um, what is it you feel that makes those genres sort of pop together? Um. I mean, to quote Henry Zabrowski uh, from the last podcast on the Left Network, horror is just drama with the highest stakes imaginable. Uh, And then to noir or crime, or whatever you want to call it, is traditionally a genre in the shadows, right? It's a a genre that doesn't tell you what's going to happen, or it's a genre where um, there's low lighting and, and, and you can't, you're not supposed to trust anybody. You shouldn't trust anyone. Expectations are, are supposed to be flipped. There's supposed to be um, a sort of cynicism to it um, in a way. And, and horror, I think, you know, I mean, horror fits in, in, in perfectly there. I mean, true crime and horror are, uh, are almost cut from the same cloth, right? I mean, like, all, all you have to do is, is take it a couple steps further. So I, you know, I think it just blends because um, they're just so close to each other. And uh, I think you just have to pick a story that is uh, purposefully, I think, I think you lead with the true crime aspect and then you just let it get to horror. Right. Uh, and, and just because they, they are my favorite monsters, where do you stand on werewolves? <laughs> they're hard werewolves are hard I think I mean honestly my favorite monster is a, uh, is a Frankenstein monster 
but um, I I think werewolves are difficult, but I like the idea of a curse. I like the idea of the duality of the vamp of the of the werewolf um, and like the uncontrollable animal instinct and like. You know, but I honestly, you know, werewolves are, I think, the, um, next to mummies, are probably one of the more difficult of the universal monsters to have um, genre-bending material about them, right? Like, I mean, you have your traditional werewolf story, but even the best werewolf stories are all relatively traditional. You know, American Werewolf in London, uh, fucking Silver Bullet, fucking uh, The Howling, um, the original, uh, you know, werewolf, uh, I don't know what it's called, but the, um, the original one from the, the 50s. Um, like, they're all, all of the even, the, even the most serious werewolf movies all kind of... Um, have the same plot. Um, what's the one with uh, Jack Nicholson too? That's a really good Wolf. one. Wolf. Wolf rules. Yeah. Um, and, and and then you know, and then the only other side of uh, werewolves I've seen, maybe I'm wrong, or I can't think of them. Um, Twilight, I'd say those are technically different werewolves. Like that's a that's a that, that feels more like a positive Wendango than it does a negative one. Uh, and then also Teen Wolf. You know, I mean, like Teen Wolf is hilarious. Like, uh, you know, and like that worked really well. And I, but I, yeah, I think that's a really good point. I I, I personally find werewolves difficult. Um, I think they're difficult. I don't think they're I think they're a really neat creature, but I think it's really hard to make a good werewolf movie or comic work. You gotta get Danny Lore in here. It's it's hard to talk about werewolves without them. Oh, I, 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 you hear that, Danny? We, we'd love to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, if you get the chance, uh, and a shout out to. Uh, former guest friend of the show a hub of tighten up the defense for recommending this movie to me um the beast must die it's on it was on amazon prime last i checked it is a black exploitation tinged agatha christie-esque parlor mystery with a werewolf at the center of it guy that sounds great. <laughs> Guy invites these, you know, five people out to his gaming reserve, and he is your, you know, sort sort of traditional seventies black exploitation look. At, you know, he's got that look of the black exploitation hero, and he's, you know, he wants to hunt the most dangerous game, which is a werewolf. One of these five people happens to be a werewolf, uh, and it has a. I love it youngish Michael Gambon and uh, 70s era Peter Cushing in it. And you, you can't go wrong with Peter Cushing in oh, really? a horror movie from that era. He's the, the Van Helsing-esque doctor to, who, who's there. It's, I mean, it, 
the, the effects are oh god <laughs> like the werewolf is a big old dog but it's fun <laughs> and it's got that agatha christie you know uh and then there were none plus the most dangerous game plus a werewolf i mean you, you can't go wrong the math all adds up <laughs> yeah oh, man. i enjoy that good shot um I do like your point, though, about Frankenstein's being underappreciated monsters. I think that's very true. <laughs> um, I'm a Frankenstein, though. As a person, I'm a Frankenstein. So, like, that's why I, I connect with Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, Emily, you're, you're in your first couple years uh, in the industry. You know, I, I remember being really taken by your, your work in uh, the wilds with Vita Ayala back in 2018. Um, you know, what, what's something that you feel like, you know, you've learned either about yourself or, or about your art, you know, since, since that time? Oh, man. Um, I've learned a lot. I think, I think just generally just learning how to uh, just draw comics on a monthly basis and getting through that whole workload. Um, was kind of a big process over the past two years or so. Um, I think I've learned a lot about what I like to draw. You know, like I've it's <laughs> it's it's probably not a coincidence that most of the books that I've worked on have had you know like the 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 queer lesbian couples as the main characters and stuff like that. So it's it's just a bunch of like just a bunch of fun to try to figure out um discovering what i like to draw and what i like to work with with other writers and stuff like that and i think kind of led to a good place with uh working on the vein with elliot because it had a lot of different stuff you know like the hot teenage vampires and stuff like that it's just kind of right up my alley (laughs) (laughs) um What's what's something uh, what's something big that you'd like to do uh, as an artist that you you know you're you're, you're itching to do? Uh, I would really like to do a fantasy book at some point. I think like fantasy stories are like some of my favorite stuff to draw. So I think eventually. Doing and something- oh, and you mean always working with your best friend Elliot, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh gosh! <laughs> that, that pause was like weird. nine months pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> I, I deserve. I deserve that. No, Elliot, I will. I will totally work with you on any comic. Um, but yeah, it's just very bad timing for my mic to unplug. Oh, that is a, that, that, <laughs> that one's going in the blooper reel. <laughs> yeah good good oh, man. um now that uh uh you know vault's kind of reintroduced its uh young reader uh their graphic novel line uh wonderbound uh i was curious uh you know uh are you able to talk about the status of uh bonding the project you were working on with uh, matt Ehrman? yeah um we're <sighs> I'm not sure how much I can say about the sure. release date and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I can't say that I've 
I've finished my part of it. Elliot's finished his, and then our colorist Kaylee has as well. So the book is mostly you mean Matt. done. Hmm? <laughs> Matt, yeah. You mean Matt? You said Elliot instead of Matt. Your best friend, Elliot. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's uh, it's gonna come out soon. But um, yeah, it's I'm not sure if it's technically coming out under the young adult line anymore, but it's going to be coming out still as a graphic novel, um, sometime next year. So that's great. Um. I noticed on your site you've got uh, a, uh, a bunch of uh, D&D character sketches. I was wondering uh, if, if uh, you know, you played. I play a lot of D&D, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I've, I'm obsessed with D&D. I have my treasure of a level 14 druid right now. So that's, that's what I've been up to. <laughs> It's a good way to get through the pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> definitely is. Yeah. yeah, just start. I just started a new campaign last week, so I've gone from a level thirteen monk down to a third level rogue, and it's like, oh, that's it's it's taken me some learning back <laughs> to you know being able to get my butt kicked this easily. Yeah, it's 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 definitely like going from like the higher levels back down it's just so hard because <laughs> you can't it just feels like you can't do anything mm -hmm. it's like oh okay i'm just gonna you know throw my my psychic dagger and i'm gonna completely whiff and the guard is gonna see me and now i need to get away versus <laughs> before where it's like oh yeah big bad okay Two two strikes, flurry of blows. You know, I was like, oh, all these. Uh, I get like six hits in one round, and I'm doing scads of damage. It's like, oh right, I can't do that anymore. Crap. <laughs> that's that's why I play druids because if I get oh, just pretend to be a spider. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my current D and D campaign. Not that anybody asked me. Um, <laughs> I am a, uh, I am a, I am a, it's, it's fun. I think the most fun thing about playing D&D is to pick a character that's the exact opposite of you and getting, and committing hard. D&D to me is all like, it's like character acting. It's all about extreme commitment. And I am playing a very attractive half-elf woman uh, who just, <laughs> She's, she's got a she I, i'm gonna you know i'm gonna stop there because i'm gonna sound like a creep if i continue <laughs> no no i think my greatest acting commitment was flamboyant outgoing pansexual halfling con artist and thief yeah. who who, who yeah, i did this sort of like getting horny thinking about it <laughs> yeah this is <laughs> Edna Mode from The Incredibles sort of accent with the, the, the cigarette holder and the whole nine yards. Like, yeah, that is about as far from me as you can get. But boy, it was fun to just walk into these, you know, highfalutin society events and have a bon mot for every person. If I was half as witty in real life as I could be in D&D. &D. <laughs> Well, wouldn't that be great? I wish I, I, I wish I could stand up for myself the way my character does. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, I always think that it would be really. I was talked to like, I think Ryan Caddy about this sometimes. It was. It would be really. Who? who what loser did you just say? Ryan Caddy. Did I say his name wrong? <laughs> Ryan. What? All I heard is my 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 dumb, very good friend Ryan's name. <laughs> <laughs> I was well. I, I we always mention on Twitter that like we if we like. I mean, if coronavirus is ever over, we gotta go to like ETC and have like a a comics creator D and D one shot and just have everyone play together. It's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't do it in person, you could always do like a you know fundraiser sort of uh, over Zoom or something like that. <laughs> oh man. Um, so, Elliot. Uh, very fortuitous that we're talking to you today because as we were typing up our show notes, uh, we got the breaking news that you've got another Aftershock series coming out uh, in December, Knock 'em Dead, uh, supernatural series about a bad stand-up comedian. Uh, I think Aftershock Build It is the king of comedy meets the Frighteners. Um, are yeah. You, are you kind of working off your, uh, your, your, your uh, you know, uh, past life in, uh, in stand-up for this one? Uh, yeah, a little bit, you know. Um, Aftershock has afforded me some incredible opportunities to tell some highly character-driven stories. Uh, I felt bad because like, I misspelled a couple names and I left uh, a couple things on Twitter and then I corrected them and I, like, and now I'm spiraling about it, but I think it's fine. Because, um, you know, we don't leave anybody out. By the way, shout-out to Macy Khan, our color assistant slash person. My first ever intern on the vein. Uh, she, she was great. Uh, and so did y'all. Um, I'm just plugging in my, my, my computer here. But yeah, it's a, uh, you know, I mean, uh, stand up is how I learned how to write. Um, uh, uh, you know, I am a firm believer that, um, you know, comedy, the entire purpose of comedy is to flip expectations, right? Like, if you see a joke coming, then you have not done your job, right? That's why they, they you know, and um, you only, you know, again, going back to Henry Zabrowski, comedy is drama, right? Um, it's just you only want one reaction out of it. And, um, you know, it was just a, you know, I can't, I've never been able to play, I'm not, you don't want to hear me sing, right? And you don't want to hear me play an instrument. And in my early 20s, I knew I wanted to write. I knew I wanted to work in the arts. I hadn't discovered comics as a profession until I was around, like, 23, um, 22. But, like, even then, like, it, it didn't really click, you know. Um, and, um, you know, quite frankly, um, the reason I... I wanted to take a horror route with it, and it's kind of like, what's that movie with J. Jonah Jameson where he's a drum teacher? Whiplash. Uh, whiplash, right. Um, it's kind of like a whiplashy story uh, meets the Frighteners or King of Comedy, and it's just like, listen, like, I was really self conscious about this book, incredibly self conscious, uh, more so than the book where I talk about I get abducted by aliens, right? Um, because Personally, I think talking about writing or talking about the craft of making it 
is incredibly boring and self-indulgent, right? Um, I think it's dumb. And most of the time it's dumb, in my opinion. Um, so what I wanted to do was walk a different way with this series. And you don't see many horror stories in this vein. Yeah, the vein, and uh, and and that was the uh, that was the goal was to uh, you know and 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 honestly, I, I'm so thankful for my time in comedy and and, and 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 all the people I met. But like, you know, if I'm being honest about it, I was in my early 20s. I shouldn't have been doing it. If I'm being perfectly blunt with you, I had nothing to say. I mean, I was good enough, but like when I look back on it, I had nothing really of importance or value to say uh, I lived with my privilege and like um, that was also the time in my life where um, I was the most thoughtless and uh, the time in my life where I, I hurt the most people you know I never did anything like monstrous or anything like that you know nothing like that but you know it's just like the growing pains of being in your early 20s and being surrounded by guys and gals who are five, eight years older than you, and, you know, you, you want to be cool, you know? It's, 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 um, and you don't think you're doing it, and then you do it, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's hard. Uh, it's, it's hard, and, uh, yeah, it's a story just to, kind of dealing with all of those emotions and, 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 and um, yeah, it's 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 cool. It's I'm excited about it. Um, I'm glad people have responded so so well to it today. Uh, let's actually tease up a, a Twitter question that we got from uh, Robert Secundus, who says, uh, you know, I think you've talked in a few of your comics or, or about a few of your comics as starting from something in your own life or the lives of people you've known. Uh, you know, though those stories obviously expand into something fictional. Uh, you know. What, what, what is your, you know, what, what is your process or, or, you know, when you're looking to explore your, or, or advice for people who are looking to explore something in their lives and kind of work it out or, or just kind of take that, that kernel of reality and, and turn it into, you know, fiction? Uh, for me, it's, it's, it's like a lot of different things, you know. I am a big fan of the Stephen King style, which is uh, let your characters decide, you know, um, like you should obviously know what you want to do and, and plan things out. But there's a difference between, you know, you're standing at the start line and you're, you're, you're looking out onto your journey. And then there's a difference when you're walking your journey, you know, and, uh, you know, so you have to do both, but um, you know, I, I choose, to draw, you know, even my stuff with Quantum and Woody, even the stuff with the vein, you know, even the vein, which is the least personal book I have, there's a lot of personal elements to it because I, I you know, I myself am an obsessive person. So I try to inject some of myself into everything. Um, but, um, you know, the, the goal is to, to, to root it in a real place and then fictionalize it so you don't drive yourself insane. Right. Uh, like, I, I, I want to make sure that I, I, I ground it. The goal is to connect with people, right? The goal is to make someone feel something. And, like, how can you make something feel something if you're not feeling it yourself? You know what I mean? And, like, 
you know, I, I want my work to reach out and, 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 you know, when I'm reading a Brian K. Vaughn book, and, you know, you turn and there's that splash page and that splash page and now you're crying, right? And then, yep. like, you know, like, I, I want that, right? And, like, I want to connect with people. And, and drawing from my real life has helped me do that. And, uh, you know, and, and maybe it's cheap. Uh, I, I don't really give a shit. Uh, and, you know... I think the goal is just to be respectful of the people in your lives and to fix and, and, and create enough distance to where you're not telling your story, you're telling a story, right? Mm -hmm. Like you want to draw from yourself, but you don't want yourself to be this. You don't want your experience to be the story, right? Like that's not, that's boring too, right? Mm -hmm. I think grounding it in the emotion is and, and grounding it in, in, in some form of experience helps um, and, and there are varying degrees of that. Um, uh, far less autobiographical. Uh, you know, you've got a, a, a Madam Satan one shot coming out uh, next month from Archie. Uh, I was curious, do you have a favorite kind of like weird Archie? So by that, I mean like the Jughead's Time Police or like the man from Riverdale, like that, oh. that kind of stuff. That I mean, I mean Jughead's Time Police was really fun. Jughead's Time Police was super fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and I loved uh, the Werewolf Jughead book. But yeah. I mean, is it cheap to stay after working with Archie is still a standalone? I mean, yeah. I, 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 that book uh, came along at the right time for me. You know, and, 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 and it was, it's really inventive. I also love the chilling adventures of Sabrina, the entire mm -hmm. uh, Robert Heck, Heck. I think yep. it was Robert Heck who did all the interiors on it. Yep. That's incredible. I know it's not as goofy, but um, I, I would say those two are tied uh, for me. I, all the other books Archie puts out were, were great, and I love the Mark Wade run on Archie. Um, yeah. But... Um, I would, I would say after life, you know, that scene with hot dog and, and, and Archie and him saving it, you know, it's, it's, I, I think about that scene a lot in terms of how to make people feel and it's really yeah. good. Absolutely. Uh, heartbreaking scene with a dog will get me every time. <laughs> uh, uh, and then uh, you're doing uh I was uh, super con online next month. Uh, you know, we've all been kind of following like the virtual con thing the past few months, uh, you know, because obviously the real thing could kill you. But, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what, is, what is that experience, you know, like from your end as a create, like, like me as an attendee, you know, I always kind of think about, well, you know, I understand why there are no cons right now. You know, you know, there's there, and and obviously we're we're missing sort of that that personal uh, interaction. But you know, what is, what is sort of the the virtual con experience from you know, like from your end as a as a creator? Uh, I have an answer, but I'm gonna let Emily speak first. Please, yeah. Um, I haven't really done many virtual cons. I think I think I did like a panel or so for mm -hmm. ECC, but it's. It's interesting. I feel like um, there was just this big uh, uh, art convention called uh, Lightbox that yeah. happened over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I remember going there last year in person. And then it's just this year, it was, it was so much more accessible because, you know, you 
pay a dollar to go to the con and you to see all the live streams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just an interesting way of, um, I think, just taking the best of what we got and trying to still have interaction and, you know, excitement for the comics that are going on. So, yeah, I mean, like, I haven't, it's still really new. So mm-hmm. I haven't really experienced much of it, but I'm, I'm really interested to see like more of what goes on. Like I think uh, New York Comic Con is going to have their convention online this year, so that's that's going to be really interesting to see. Um, you know, I I mean, we got to do something, right? Um, end of the day, we got to do something to keep the plates spinning. And, and so my hats are off to anyone from NYCC Read Pop to the good people of Supercon. Just we're all doing our best, right? Yeah. Um, but for, for, for me personally, like, uh, cons are a really important tool for me. Um, you know, I go to uh, about three or four big shows, big shows a year, you know, Emerald City Comic Con, New York City Comic Con, uh, Chicago Comic Con, and maybe one other. And, and, and I use those primarily to, you know, get work or, or see colleagues or friends or, or whatever. But like, you know, I've developed a strategy for myself up here in the upper northern Midwest um, that I think a lot of creators don't take the time to do. Um, and I do a lot of very small regional shows because I think there's a lot of power in small regional shows. One, because the people putting on regional shows are dedicated members of their community. Um, and two, you know, these small regional markets, yeah, they might not be sexy. They might not, you know, have the coolest stuff in the world or whatever. I disagree. But um, end of the day, like, you pay attention to them and they get behind you. You know, you honor them and, and they honor you. And, um, uh, you know, places like Fargo, Sioux Falls, Bismarck, um, you know, around Duluth and Minnesota, Rochester, Minnesota, um, and then, you know, Western Wisconsin and Iowa, they all have shows, you know, and they all have large sizable populations with retailers who are uh, huge. I mean, these retailers are very powerful. Uh, because they're usually the only game in town, and they're dealing with a, a a starved community for attention. And so, like, you know, going there and, and giving those people your time um, has paid dividends for me as, like, spiritually and both uh, in my career. And so, like, I am I'm very sad to be missing a lot of shows this year uh, because um, – you know, the communities in these uh, places have, um, you know, impacted me personally quite a bit. And, and they're great people, you know. And they're just trying to celebrate comics and celebrate their cities. And I, I for one, um, really appreciate that. I just, I just finally had to cancel my uh, Airbnb for Baltimore. Because, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean... I was going to do it anyway. It's just the fact that the show actually finally canceled. But, uh, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to the day when we can all 
get back into those spaces, uh, healthy, safe, and sound, and just only worry about you know regular con crud and not the super crud. But uh, <laughs> right, super crud. That's good. Uh, um, what do you What are you guys both? Uh, what are you two both reading right now? Oh shit! <laughs> you go um, first now. I've been reading a lot of. Uh, like young adult graphic novels. Um, I think I just started reading On a Sunbeam, which is oh. an excellent book. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I recently read uh, Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me. So I'm, I'm kind of diving into that whole like book market young adult stories. And it's, it's really interesting to see because it's like, uh, it's different art styles than you'd see for like, you know, um, comic indie comics or just you know uh, stuff that comes from Marvel or DC. It feels sure. very like uh, handcrafted, if that makes any sense. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's really nice. That's 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 uh, that's what we're all that's where we're all headed, man. That's <laughs> the future. Yeah, for sure. I just uh, finished a novel biography called educated by Tara Westover, which was an incredible book. Now I'm reading something called The Fifth Season. I started this uh, here. It's pretty good. I'm enjoying it so far. Comics-wise, I just finished up Hox Pox uh, two weeks ago, and now I'm uh, maybe three weeks ago, and now I'm reading, um, I'm focusing on uh, Miracle Man and finishing up Akira. Uh, you know, um, that's what I'm working on, but the past two weeks, um, have sucked so hard that I haven't been able to read anything and I feel like I'm dead inside. Oh, oh boy. It was that. supposed to be funny. But it oh, didn't okay. Happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, was that your, your first time reading through uh Hawksbox? Yes. <laughs> what did you think? That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. All right. No, okay. I, I, you know, I, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I truly, I truly did enjoy it. I got a little frustrated at the end, um, but only because it was so goddamn good. Okay. Fair. <laughs> Absolutely fair. Mm. And then uh, which era of uh, Miracle Man are we talking? Alan Moore, Gaiman? Alan Moore's Miracle Man. I, I've never read the entire thing. I've read Neil Gaiman's Miracle Man, mm -hmm. uh, but I've never finished the entire thing. And like, You know, the thing is, is I always read when I'm, like, tired. And, like, the yeah. reason why Miracle Man is, like, taking a little bit longer is because, like, Damn, Alan Moore's a dense, thick writer, you know, and it's like you really, you really need to be fucking actively paying attention, and I, and like I'm like I, I, you know, and so that it's taken me longer than it should, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, as we're wrapping up, uh, how can people follow what you guys are doing? 
Twitter and Patreon for me. I was going to let Emily answer, but, you know. <laughs> I got too nervous. I was just waiting for you. No, I'm going to wait for you. I let all women lead in my life. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, for me, it's uh, just at Emily Pearson Art on Twitter and uh, Instagram. And then emilypearsonart.com for my website if you want to check it out. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Yeah, yeah thanks for inviting us. us. Uh, I really appreciate your guys' time and, and your support and kindness. Thank you. Anytime. Absolutely. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A and WMQ Comics are now part of the Xavier Files media empire, meaning you can find all our great comics coverage along with some of the best X-Men and Marvel criticism around at XavierFiles.com. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at XavierFiles.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice, and a $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail from my collection. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Young Ones Match Club Podcasts, Robert Secundus from Docs Talks at XavierFiles.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, and Lan M from Lan's Vids. You can follow WMQ Comics and Xavier Files on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. And until next week, in the immortal words of Abraham Lincoln, be excellent to each other. W-N-Q-A. W-N-Q-A.